So to answer the question, the same question that we had when I went back to work, were you on vacation or were you sick? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, I was. Um, I think it's funny though. I think it's it's so funny. I'm just I know a lot of people are having a hard time with with COVID and such, and I, I understand that we have some people at work. Some of them are in the hospital now. Um, some have been out for three weeks fighting it. Good friends of mine. Um, but I think it's funny. Uh, I come back from vacation and people are like, "I heard you were sick. Did you did you have COVID?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah. I think I did. I think I did." Couldn't breathe. I had a hard time breathing. My muscles were hurting. I mean, fever every day. Well, did you get tested? Well, well, no. I didn't get tested. And they're kind of like, hmm. It kind of makes you feel like you didn't make the team or something. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't get tested for everything else. I mean, I was going on vacation the next day. I didn't get tested because they were running out of tests at work. So, but um, anyway, I felt like I didn't make the team. I don't know how to feel about that. I, I don't know if I, I want to be on that team or not, but, I mean, I'm sick. I was, you know. <laughs> it's like, so, I mean, if you walk like a duck, quiet like a duck, then you're a duck. So, um, no smell and taste, but I'll tell you this, the argument is settled. I couldn't, t- I couldn't taste anything, couldn't smell anything, but I'll tell you this, the, the, the argument over chicken between Zaxby's and, and Chick-fil-A, it's settled. I could taste the Lord's chicken. It was the weirdest thing. Chuck thinks it might, might have been memory in my brain when I tasted it. I don't know what it was, but the Lord has blessed Chick-fil-A. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I could taste it. That was the strangest thing ever, but um, that, was my that was my experience the last couple of weeks. I don't, I mean, I'm nothing against Zaxby's, but I could taste that, that good Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I'll go ahead and start off with a statement. You can go ahead and stand up. We'll read this passage together. But I'll start off with this statement. God is able to do over and abundantly more than we ever ask or think. I'll say it one more time. God is able to do over and abundantly more than we ever ask or think. Let's read this passage. Chapter 3, we'll start in verse 7. And we'll read to the end of the chapter. It's Paul speaking to the Ephesians and to the church by the Holy Spirit. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that was realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20, this is where we want to sit, where we want to focus today. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with be in your word as you always are, but especially this morning. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. Lord, be with my words. Help me to say the things you would only have me say. Um, don't let me get off track in a way that you don't want me to get off track. Lord, I pray that you would fill every listener here this morning with your spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit in them and the Holy Spirit in me and then the Holy Spirit from you would make those connections that are, need, are needed this morning in our lives. Uh, Lord, we know that you speak to each individual in specific ways that maybe I didn't realize in my, in my study. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us in that kind of way today. Um, speak to me even as I'm um, delivering your word. Lord, we know that we are not worthy. Lord, um, just as Eric was saying with Isaiah, Lord, I pray that you would touch my lips. I am a man of unclean lips, Lord, I pray that you would purify us all this morning, that we would hear your word, that we would see your glory this morning, um, and that we would walk away seeing a bigger picture of who you are and how rich you are in in your dealings with your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the title of this sermon is Abundance According to His Glory. Abundance According to His Glory. God is able to do over and abundantly more than we ever ask or think. Many times when people read that particular passage or passages that are like that, they hear, God is going to do whatever I ask Him to do. Because it says the power that works in us. It turns, all, it turns everything towards us. You see that a lot on TV. Well, well, you just need to name it. You need to claim it. You need to do all these things. Speak it into existence. All that good stuff. Because of verses like this, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. And people take the wrong angle on that and they sit there and say, well, God's going to do whatever I ask Him because I'm His child. He's going to do whatever I, I desire because, just because I desire it. Just because He's some sort of grandfather that, that, that dotes upon His children and, and doesn't say no ever and He always gives them everything that they want. That's not, <laughs> that's not what this means at all. It's not what this means at all. But the, the, first, the first point I want to say is, the, first, the name of the first point is abundance according to His grace and eternal purpose. It's abundance according to His grace and eternal purpose. This verse, what I wanted to do when I was reading this, you know, every time I come to the, <laughs> this book of Ephesians, I'm like, I'm going to move forward. But then you back up and you see a different perspective and there's a, there's a thing that Paul keeps mentioning all throughout this, this, the end of this chapter as he goes into this prayer and I kind of want to sew up this prayer again before we move on to the next chapter. This verse is the conclusion of Paul's prayer. Verse 20 there. 
It does not stand alone. You can't pull it out and say, because he's able to do far abundantly. That, when we hear that word as Americans, I don't know if it's a problem everywhere else, but when we hear abundance, we hear money. Show me the money. Pay my bills. Do this, do this. Make everything smooth for me. And, and so we read that as Americans. We say he can do far more abundantly more than we ask or think. Oh, he's going to take care of me. Everything's going to be smooth sailing from now on. Well, if you can't preach that to the, the Christians in Afghanistan, then you can't preach it. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. So what about them? When they read that passage, why is it not true? So that's, that, that means that we're not reading it in a truthful way. When we see that word far more abundantly. This verse cannot stand alone. It is the end of his prayer. It's the end of Paul's prayer that he's praying uh, for the Ephesians, for the church. And there's a reason he says that to that point and he leads up to that. You can see his mindset through that whole prayer. Everything leading up in that passage is significant and necessary to bring about this ending that he says that he's able to do far more abundantly. The things we want to point out today, as I was reading this this past week, I, n I noticed that Paul gives us four, he gives us four according to's in this passage. Four according to's. That are the foundation of the prayer, of his mindset that he's praying for us to see God's abundant ability in our lives. It's not his abundance that he's going to just push all the riches on you just as we hear as Americans of money and, and taking care of bills and all those things. It's his, it's his abundant ability in our lives. That's what Paul understands that's what paul is praying for the ephesians is that god has abundant ability in our lives and those four things are in verse seven it says according to the gift of god's grace then the second one according to the eternal purpose that he is bringing to be that he is bringing about in verse 11 and then he says according to the riches of his glory in verse 16 and then he says, according to the power at work in us, verse 20. There's reasons he has this mindset. It is according to all of these things that he understands about God and that he is praying for the Ephesians to understand. So we'll look at this first half of this, this part in this point here. Abundance according to the gift of God's grace. We just want to, we want to lightly tap each one of these that we've went through to sew up this prayer to get to this point of what paul is talking about his abund about god's abundance but abundance according to the gift of god's grace what is grace grace is god's unmerited favor that means you didn't earn a thing there's not a thing that you could have done to have grasped a hold of it it was a gift unearned favor from someone and if it's from God you have more than you could ever imagine if you have grace from from one of us to another then that's a good thing because you didn't earn it someone is just doing something just to be kind but if we have grace that is from God how great is that grace that's something that we couldn't have earned from him if I give one of you a gift I don't expect anything in, in, in return because it's a gift I had it in my heart to give it how much more so is that grace from God that we could never repay him. We don't have what he has. We don't match what he has. Our bank accounts don't match, if you want to add it like that. 
as an American. Your, ba- your bank account don't add up. It doesn't. As I heard one rapper say, your arms are too short, you can't fill the son's shoes. We don't have what he has. We can't do it. But grace is God's unmerited favor. He gives us abundance. He has abundant ability because of his grace. We have received this from God without our influence upon God. That's what grace is. You did not influence him. You did not talk him into being good to you. You did not talk him into giving you grace. You didn't talk him into giving you a gift. You don't talk someone into giving you a gift. When you talk someone into giving you a gift, it ceases to be a gift. When something is truly a gift to someone, it is given from the giver, not coerced from the recipient. It is given regardless of anything being given in return or even having the ability to give it back. A gift is just, that is what grace is. I want to give you this. I want to be good to you. You didn't earn this. I, I just want to be good to you. I know this is going to be, it's going to help you out. It's going to, it's going to be the best thing for you. When the gift is from God, it is from pure love for, for the benefit of the recipient, not for pride's sake. It's not given for pride's sake, just to, to be seen. But we'll talk about that later, how that is the best thing for us from God. The heart is right when God is giving it. Because He is always right. Salvation is an act of grace. It is, just, it is given. You either have it or you don't. God either wakes you up and calls you out of the tomb, or He hasn't called you out of the tomb. There's no middle ground of you teetering in between. That, there's no place like that. You're, you're dead or you're alive. We've obviously read that on many times in, in Ephesians. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. We get that. We get, we've heard that over and over in, in Ephesians. It is true. Salvation is of grace and grace alone. By, by, is by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is His grace that He gives it to you. And then grace is given to us as His children in different measures. Everyone is given different measures of grace after that salvation grace, that gift of salvation is handed to you. He's called you out of the tomb. You're alive. He's called you by name. You come out of the tomb. You are alive now. But then He gives you different measures of grace for the mission that He has specifically for you. So what does that mean? If He gives everyone different measures of grace, don't compare yourselves to other people. Don't compare yourselves to other brothers and sisters. You'll get mad. You'll get prideful. You'll get upset. You'll think, I have more than that person. God must love me more. Is that true? No, He doesn't love you more. He loves you like He loves Christ because He's stood in your place. Don't get too big for your britches when you think of stuff like that. That was a Greenville, South Carolina term. You look at other people and say, well, they don't, have it. they don't have as much. God must love me more. Or you look at other people and say, man, I wish I had what that person had. Well, you get, you get different levels of grace after you've been saved. So don't look at one another and think, oh, I should be doing better or I should be doing 
They, I should, I'm doing better than them. Don't do that to yourself. Because that's not why he gave it for that, for that purpose. Why did he give you the grace? Because he wanted to give it to you. Well, it, there's a, a specific mission that he has for you to accomplish with that measure of grace. We're not talking about salvation grace. We're talking about the grace after you've been called and made alive. Don't frustrate yourself at looking at other people and thinking I'm not what I'm supposed to be doing. Or then you try to project yourself as having more grace that you don't have and can't back up. Because everybody will see it and everybody knows it. Just be what God has given you. And rest in that. Rest in what God has given you. Because it is enough. Whether He's given you so much responsibility you can't See straight half the time, and you have to respond. Uh, you have to lean on him every moment. You have to lean on him every moment with the the little bit of grace. Just rest in what he's given you. Rest in what he's given you, because if you're fighting in your own mind and in your own heart because you don't feel like you have what everybody else has, that didn't come from God. It didn't come from God, because he gave you a specific amount of grace, and that's what he wants you to use. You. By name, he called you, gave you grace to save you because you were dead. Now you're alive. But this is how our pride and our flesh worked. We were made alive and oh, he gave us more grace to do something and gave us a mission. But now we're better, bigger and better than someone else or not as good. You know what I'm saying? How do we have any reason to be complaining about the grace that God's given us when we shouldn't have been called out of the tomb to begin with? So don't compare yourselves to other brothers and sisters. Compare yourself to who? Christ. That's the, evil, that's the even playing field. Because we're all short. Incredibly short. Infinitely short. You look at other humans that are just human and not <laughs> 100% God and 100% man and, and you'll think, well, I got a chance at being better. Don't do that to yourself. Measure yourself up to Christ because He's our measuring stick. He is what we He is what we're trying to be. Not I'm not trying to be Chuck. Chuck's not trying to be me. I'm not trying to be D. Not trying to be Charles. Vice versa. We're not doing that. We're all trying to be Christ. We're trying to be like Him. He is our example. He's the one we're trying to be. Abundance according to the gift of God's grace. Jesus is the giver of grace. Don't compare it to other people. He's the one who gives it, and he has an, an, an express purpose for that. The next part there, abundance according to the, the eternal purpose that he is bringing to be. And I say it that way because you read the passage here in verse 11. This was according to the purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus. You remember us preaching that. Jesus didn't realize something. It didn't occur to him. He's saying that it's coming to be. God's providence. He has an eternal purpose for your life. Abundance in that eternal purpose. You think, well, you, we stop so many times. We stop short and say, well, yeah, God's, God's providence. Um, yeah, he led me that way. But you have no idea the abundance of providence that happened to get you to where you are right now at that moment. All the little things that you have no idea about. The abundance of what he is able to do in your life 
to bring you to where you are, even sitting in this pew right, right now this morning. The, the things that affected the, the ability of you being here today, you have no idea about it. You have no idea about that abundance of providence that got you here today. He takes care of us that deeply. He, it's on that level. It's not just a, a broad swipe. Oh, you showed up to church today. No, there's a reason why you're here today. There's a reason why you're sitting in this pew. God's abundance through His providence. God has an eternal purpose in everything that He is bringing to your life. Everything. What, no matter, I, know, I, I guarantee you every single person in here had a different week this past week. But there was a purpose in all the things that happened. And we know from a broad stroke because we are not capable of being able to see that whole abundance. We know in a broad stroke sense that it is to conform us to the image of his son Jesus and we can trust him in that and we should trust him in that. No matter if it was a good week or a bad week or whatever we perceive it to be, we should, we should know and trust that he's the one that has providence. He's the one that has an eternal purpose. He does abundantly in the, in the area of providence to have you become just like Jesus. Second point here, abundance according to the riches of His glory. Verse 16, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. You remember we preached that. But Paul is talking about God's abundant ability in your life according to His riches. According to His riches. Everything that belongs to the Lord, everything that belongs to Him, He is able to abundantly take care of your situation I'll say this we have we have abundance towards us an abundance of his riches towards us as born again believers according to the riches of his glory and not according to the narrowness of our hearts and we should praise God for that. When God does something and He moves on behalf of His children, He moves with every bit of the riches that He has behind it. Now, He could have dealt with us according to the narrowness of our hearts, and we wouldn't have much. We wouldn't have much at all. But he, when He moves on behalf of us, He moves with all the riches of His glory, all of the riches of what He is worth, and that is infinite. That is aimed towards us as born again believers. All of his riches are backed up like for everything that he is moving towards or moving you towards in his in, in your life towards Christ. We have an abundance towards us as born again believers according to the riches of his glory and not according to the narrowness of our hearts. I said that again on purpose, not according to the narrowness of our hearts. God is eternal. He's eternal. He had no beginning, no ending. He doesn't run out. He doesn't end. He has limitless resources because He is the source of all good things. And that is what is backing up your salvation. When He has given grace to you and you talk about abundance and the riches of His glory, we have no idea what is backing up every move he makes towards us when you see a prayer that is answered that prayer was answered with the riches of his glory 
we have no idea the abundance that is pushing us towards Christ. The abundance of what He is doing. His abundant ability. I'll say it again. He has limitless resources because He is the source of all things good. Praise God that our gifts of abundance are not limited by our narrowness of heart. Our hearts are limited. We are finite. We do have an end. In and of ourselves, we do have an end. We have no resources of our own. I praise God that He doesn't move on on behalf of our narrowness and our smallness. He moves on behalf of His riches and His abundance, His abundant ability to be able to move us towards Christ. Paul understands that, and Paul is praying that for the Ephesians, and he's praying that for us as the church. The abundance that we enjoy in salvation, whether we sit and take inventory of it or not, Sometimes we do and we get excited about it. Most times we don't take inventory of it. But the abundance that we enjoy of salvation, we, whether we sit and take inventory of it or not, comes from the riches of His glory. We have the strength of God holding us up and sustaining us for Christ to live in us in our inner being through faith. To know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. You remember we preached that. That we would even know how to know something that surpasses all knowledge is amazing. If there are any riches to be seen and experienced from God, it is found in the face of Jesus Christ. If there are any riches for us to even enjoy, it is found in, in Christ Jesus I want you to remember this. Christ is the riches of the glory of God. He is the treasure. He's the treasure you won't find anywhere else in this world. He is the treasure of the glory of God. He is His riches. He is everything God is in a man. 100% God, 100% man. Truly God, truly man. Number three, the abundance according to the power at work in us. The same power that spoke worlds into existence and holds them together by His will is the same power that not only keeps us alive, but is the same power that spoke new life into us and called us out of the tombs by name. That same power, abundance, the abundance according to the power at work in us. That is the power that is working in you. If there's any reason for you to be more holy than you were whenever you first got saved, it is because of the power that spoke things into existence. Before there was creation, there was God. With no point of reference to Him, there was God. Before time, spoke into darkness and made light. Just imagine that for a second. He spoke into the darkness, whatever darkness looks like without darkness. You know, was that even a thing? There's just nothing. And he speaks and made, made light. As he's speaking, the sound is being created that it makes the noise of the words 
that is making the light, that power is the power that is working in you. That is the abundance of the power working in us. That is what he's talking about, the abundance, uh, the abundant ability of God to work in you. And God breathed into man. He breathed into man and man became a living soul is what Scripture says. And in any given second, any given second, these seconds that are passing by, 7.8 billion human souls are breathing in that same borrowed breath from God. That's exactly what it is. It is borrowed breath. He gave that to us. We have no breath without Him. When you get sick and you can't breathe and you have COVID, you start realizing a lot of different things. You walk up two flights of steps and you can't breathe. You're out of breath. You start thinking, man, he could take my breath at any moment. If, if a sickness that, ha- is, that is almost totally in- impotent in comparison to God can take your breath just a little bit, he is holding your breath and he's making sure you're still breathing. But any given second, 7.8 billion humans are breathing that same borrowed breath. That is the power. That is the abundance according to the power that is working in us. And many of those people, many, most of them will curse God with that same breath. But some, some who worship Him using that breath with everything in them because of the grace of God to them. That's the only difference. They're using that breath to praise God. That power, that abundance of power is working in you. It is working in you. And that is what Paul is praying, is that that power would work in us, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that that power would be working on you, turning you into, uh, changing you into the image of Christ, moment by moment. And we think, man, this takes so long. This is so hard. Why couldn't he just speak it into existence and do those things? Because he can do that. He is doing it. He's working on you and He's showing you and He's walking with you. He wants you to see what it's like. He wants you to learn. He doesn't want, just want to just change you all in one moment. He wants you to understand how things are working and how to be like Him and how to walk like Him. So many times when you see somebody, when you're a little boy or a little girl, you see somebody that you admire, you want to do everything like them. You watch how they walk. You watch how they sit. You watch how they drink a glass of water you watch everything that they're doing that's why he takes his time with you he wants you to see exactly how i do this the same thing in the garden he planted the garden and then he told adam to tend it this is how you plant a garden son that's what he's showing and this is how you plant it now you come into the garden and you take care of it you do what i did and keep doing it and then basically i'm telling you whenever you have children you teach them you teach them what i've shown you He wants to show you, he wants to walk with you and spend time with you to do those things. But that power, that same power that speaks things into existence is living within you by faith. Holy Spirit, Christ living in us, the Father working in us, that same power that can speak things into existence is working in us to make us like Christ and to hold us together not only physically, but hold our salvation in His hand. And we, cannot, we will not lose that if He is holding it in His hand. 
Jesus even said that if you're saved, you're in my hand, and those that are in my hand are in the Father's hand, and no one, no one is able to pluck them out of my hand. The question is not ever do you lose salvation, it is are you saved? Because if you are, that is, that is what he has said about those who are in his hand. That power is working in us. Number four there, abundance according to his glory. Let's read verse 20 and 21 here. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. It's like a super, a super exceeding is what he's talking about. A hyper doing is what that word or that phrase means. Far more abundantly. It says that he is able. We know God is able. But it says he is able to do exceedingly more. To do more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him. To him. Two times he has said that. Verse 20. Now to him. Verse 21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is the end of his prayer because he knows all of these things he has prayed for the Ephesian church and for us as the church and the body of Christ. He knows all of these things about, about God and he's wanting that for the church. It's for his glory. He is able to do super exceedingly, hyper, more, over abundantly, more than we can ask or think. Why? Why does he want any of this to happen for us? Why? For his glory. Well, some folks say, well, isn't God a little self-centered? I've heard that before. Isn't God a little self-centered? Isn't he a little self-centered to say stuff like that, to want things for his glory? Why, why, does, why, does, why is he so self-centered? God is good. God is love. God is holy. And since God is good, God's self-centeredness in having everything be done to glorify Himself is the best thing that could ever happen to you. It is not a prideful thing. He knows that He is the best thing that has ever been. He is the best thing eternally. He is good. What good is, that is God. What holiness is, that is Him. What love is, that is Him. And He knows that. That is Himself. He cannot deny that. He knows that it is the best thing that could ever happen to you because God is the best, most joyous person in all of eternity. If God had not, if He had chosen not to display His glory and do all these things for His glory, we would all be doomed because we would never know the good news of the gospel of God being holy. Yet that holy God died in the place of those who will repent and believe in him. We would have never known it because that is the good news. That, the reason he glorifies himself is because he has brought that good news to us. That is him glorifying his work. That is him glorifying his nature. If he doesn't glorify himself, we are doomed and we know nothing of, of grace at all. In verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Let's just, let's be practical. Since God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, what does that mean for us when we have problems in life? 
What does that mean? We should be able to trust Him. The things that you pray for, God is answering them in such a way that is so much more than what you would ask for yourself. And we go to Him so simply so many times because we are so far beneath and we don't understand the abundance that is moving for us. When you think of these things, when you think of God's grace to you and His eternal purposes for you, you may think, yeah, well, God has been good. God has been good, and you would not be wrong. You are totally right. God has been good. But you don't realize all of the thoughts God has thought towards you to put you in the eternal position that you are in. The intense love that has been expressed on your behalf before the foundation of the world and will continue throughout eternity. All of the thoughts, and you think, well, yeah, God's been good. God's been good. Well, yeah, that's true. That's, that's the tip of this little iceberg right here. Yeah, he's been good. But you have no idea all the things that he's done for you. The, intense, the intensity of his love and the intensity of his holiness and the intensity of him drawing you to himself. The intensity of that power of him calling you by name out of that tomb and then giving you more grace on top of that. And then he has patience and kindness and long-suffering with us whenever we're proud and think we're something because he gave us the grace to begin with. When you think of the riches of His glory, you may think, yeah, man, those streets of gold, they're going to be pretty. Yeah. You're not wrong again. You're right. The riches of His glory, yeah, there'll be streets of gold. Whatever that means, if it's an allegory, it's going to be better than that. But you may not think on the fact that you have direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords paying attention to you in love. That is, that is the riches of His glory. When we get to see Him face to face, you'll see all of the beautiful stuff. But it won't be anything in comparison to what, seeing His face. I promise you that. You'll see streets of gold. You'll see gates of pearl. You'll see all these cool things see that looks like glass. And you'll say, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? It's almost like you'll look straight through it. Yeah, it's all cool. That's what we see now. But I'm talking about the abundance for His glory. Far more abundantly than we ask or think. We say, Lord, I can't wait to see streets of gold. I can't wait to see those gates. I can't wait to walk. And he's thinking, it is far more abundantly more than you ask or think. You think, he's like, yeah, you have no idea. He hears your prayers. I can't wait to see you. He's like, you, you have no idea. You wait. I can't wait till you get here. And you see my face. And you see my glory. For what all of these things have come from. You have no idea. You won't be worried about streets of gold. You won't be worried about that gate of pearl. You won't be worried about that sea of glass. You'll say, <laughs> you've seen me. And you, you've not died. You get to enjoy me forever. When you think of that power that is at work in us, you may stop and think, wow, He made everything with His words. 
You may not think that he is doing far more abundantly. The same universe that he spoke into existence with the words he created as the breath from his essence was created and still is still birthing new galaxies. I want you to understand that. You think, you know, the power that is at work in us. Yeah, he made things with his words and then we stop thinking. We don't go any further than that. There are galaxies that are still being birthed. There are stars that are still being born. He is still doing things. He is still making things. He hasn't stopped. He's not a deistic God that says, I'm creating all things and let the chips fall where they may. He's not that God. He is present at the very moment these galaxies are still being birthed. He is present at the very moment these stars are still coming to be born. He's there at the very moment that the stars are dying when they implode. He is there at that moment and He is saying, it is good. It is good. He has not stopped what He has done in creation. He is still looking at those things being created and saying, it is good. It is good because He's there at the edge of the universe watching the things not to go on their own. He's doing them himself. Watch this, guys. You'll see this one day. You'll see this galaxy. This is what I was thinking when I did that. And he was there and saying, that is good. He hasn't stopped. But we stop when we say, yeah, he made everything with his words. It's far more abundantly than we can ask or think is what he does. You know, every year when we go to the beach, God reminds me of this picture. You know, you have high tide and you have low tide. And when it's low tide, you know, you see the beach and you see all kinds of imperfections. Where everybody's walked, where people, where my children have buried their brothers or sisters. And you have big holes in in the beach. And um, we were talking about it that Sunday I told him to open up the the curtains. I said, look at all that sand. God knows exactly where every one of those grains are at every moment. And he, he is present with those grains of sand. That is the God that you have, that you serve. But every time I see that, I see the low tide and, you know, all the people are doing their things and there's holes all in the, in the, in the beach and, and such. And it gets all disheveled and, you know, just imperfections everywhere. But as the tide begins to come in, those daily imperfections in our lives on that beach are getting smoothed out and the shore is being made new every day. And you look at it after it comes down and it's smooth and it's perfect. That's what we're going to be like when He's finished with us, when the tide gets finished coming in. You know, the, the waves get really hard sometimes and they'll beat you and they'll flip you on your head. But he's making everything new over daily. And one day he'll be finished with that. And when God caused you to be born again and you cried out in repentance for your sins, you didn't realize that every single blemish on your record, just like on that beach, past, present, and future, would be completed, completely erased in Christ. Because whenever you ask, you said, Lord, just forgive me of my sin. And he's like, he saw all of it. 
You only saw what was right in front of you on the beach. You didn't realize all the things that you had messed up all the way up and down that beach front. All the things that you had done all over his law, all over his heart, all, all, all over his holiness. The things that you had disheveled and messed up and put marks all over it. You had no idea. You said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. But he does abundantly more than you can ask or think. You're asking for him to forgive your sin and you have no idea how much sin he's forgiven you for. And all those things that he has smoothed out. He erased every blemish on your record, past, present, and future. Because you asked. You, he, bore, he birthed you again. You cried out in repentance and said, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And he said, you have no idea, but I'm going to take you somewhere. And you're going you're gonna to have every one of those wa- washed away and made smooth and made new. And, it'll, and, it, and you'll, you'll love it when it's done. You'll love it. You couldn't see that, but God did. When you ask for forgiveness, He does far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. So in conclusion here, when problems come through your life, and they do, we're probably in the middle of some of them now. Everyone's got a different place. When problems come through in your life, when you find yourself not knowing what to do, how many of you have been in that place? I've been there more than once, more than you don't know what to do. You have problems. When you consider the things that we've mentioned today, His abundance, what should our expectation from God be? If you know that when you ask something, He is able to do far more abundantly than anything you can ask or think, what should our expectation be when we pray to Him? When we ask God to save someone, we have no idea what all God is moving in that person's life to bring that about. We do know that He's given Christ. We do know that He's paid for sin. We have no idea all of the abundance of things that are moving heaven and earth to save one of His children that He has elected before the foundation of the world by His grace, by His power, for His glory alone that you would enjoy His glory with Him. We have no idea the things that He's moving. What would our lives look like if we would Keep this mindset that God is able to do far more abundantly than we ever ask or think. What would our lives look like if we could hold on to that and keep it every day that we live? He is able to do far more abundantly than I'm asking or I'm thinking. When you come to Him and say, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I know that you are able to do far more abundantly than I can even ask or think. And I'm asking for help in this situation, but you're doing so many, you're able to do so much more than what I'm able to even ask or I'm able able to even think of. You're able to do far more abundantly than that. What would our lives look like if we were able to carry that from day to day? How would that change the way we handle things when it comes up? When you're talking to him, you're like, I know my words are so small because he is far able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think by his power for his glory. What would your life look like? How would our perspective on life change from day to day? 
we wouldn't get wrecked by every little thing that comes up because we would say he's doing something and he's good and he's doing far more abundantly than I could even think he's doing something that I can't imagine he's doing something that I don't have to know about but he's taking care of me how would your perspective change if you could hold that mindset how would it impact those around us if you could keep that mindset of him able to do more abundantly than we can ask or think by his power by the riches of his glory he's moving all these things for us what would heritage look like in your prayers the simple prayers God save this person and everything goes into action abundance the riches of his glory start moving whole universe is moving to save one of his children we don't know who his children will be he does and he'll move heaven and earth and has because he's moved jesus christ the riches of his glory he's brought him here to die on a cross in the place of those who will give up their sin cast them on him and and believe him through faith he has moved heaven and earth because he's moved christ from his throne to the cross and took him to the tomb and he resurrected and that is the reason we have hope and life of a resurrection and a new life now because he has moved all of those things in abundance in your life how would it impact those people and i'll stay the statement that i started with this morning God is able to do over and abundantly more than we ever ask or think according to His glory.